Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is uh, number 19 and it's October 22nd. It's Sunday morning. Already. Yeah, almost to 20. Next will be the 20th podcast. That's a huge uh, milestone for the podcast. It's uh, pretty substantial. Yeah, and uh, so we're sitting here on a Sunday morning. It is uh, just after noon, 12.09. I've got my orange juice in a mug. Ready to go. It's kind of a weird... A weird visual. I don't think anyone drinks orange juice from a mug. I don't think anyone drinks orange coffee. I know that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it looks a little strange. Uh, we have so much to go over today. Uh, this is probably going to be a longer podcast than normal. Awesome. But that's okay. Yeah. People like longer podcasts. Podcasts so. are good because you can do, you know, throw it in the car when you're in, stuck in traffic and yeah. uh, just let it go. Someone could be listening to us right now driving in traffic. Weird. Driving in traffic, stuck on the Hutchinson River Parkway. <laughs> on their way down into Manhattan. Maybe. You know, heading towards the Bronx. Yeah. Named after your great-grandmother. Okay. No, we're not bringing uh, <laughs> genealogy <laughs> or anything into this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, so we have a number of topics. We're going to go over the Houston, the possibility of Houston potentially getting a team. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about uh, the New Jersey Devils, Las Vegas Golden Knights, an experiment going on in the SPCH, SPCHL, SPHL. Uh, the Colorado gold that was called back that shouldn't have been called back. Right. Um, tr- a few trades, not really trades, just one trade to talk about. Um, and let me see here. The Montreal problems. And Again. We're going to talk some baseball yeah. at the very end of this podcast. Good morning. Welcome to our weekly episode <laughs> of the Montreal problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm going to reveal some power rankings. Oh, nice. I've done. I'm going to start to do that in each podcast. Right. And then we're going to talk about uh, Gord Downey. Yeah, yeah. we got to talk just a little bit about Gord Downey. Yeah. Neither one of us are huge fans of Gord Downey, but uh, that doesn't mean, you know, in my case, I'd, uh, I really like the band, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, so. do, you have, do you have anything else on the, on the topic uh, other than what I mentioned? Well, there's some really funny stuff that happened in the last little while on Twitter. Okay. Uh, the, you know, we talked uh, last week or the week before about the, the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter feed and how funny it was. There's a lot of fun on Twitter. Because this is a podcast and not a video thing, so it might be better to just deal with it some other time in a in an episode of Post to Post on humor and hockey. But <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about it right now then. All right, um, somebody uh, who calls himself a Gensel fanatic, something or other, made up uh, an artificial or fake game controller to use if you're being Brad Marchand in, uh, in hockey. Okay. And it's hilarious. And it has like, you know, uh, press a button, you know, get someone in the, in the beans and, <laughs> you know, and it's just hilarious. And, and it was so funny. Brad Marchand himself said, uh, you know, let, let's play some hockey, basically retweeted it or yeah. commented on, let's play some hockey, had some really good fun with it. And then someone else made a skinny, a skinny, Sidney Crosby one, oh. game controller. And I've got images of those that you can put up on one of your uh, oh, cool. uh, videos. So, um, and it, it had, you know, wind to the refs, take a dive, you know, uh, get the mumps, you know, <laughs> whatever. Get a concussion. Something yeah, like that, yeah. You know, and it's good to see that, you know, hockey players don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, that is, that is funny. It's always good to include some humor into the sport and oh, yeah. people take it so seriously sometimes that, mm-hmm. uh, I could use if a little <laughs> lightening up. Definitely. <laughs> so I thought we'd talk about the Houston situation first, because sure. I know it's on the, on the mind of a lot of people. And as we know, Houston used to have a team, the Houston Arrows, back in the WHA a very long time ago. 70s. And there's been some recent rumblings out of the city, and specifically from Tillman uh, Fertitta, who is the owner of the Houston Rockets. Okay. And he, he's, he's very interested in bringing an NHL team to the city because he owns the lease on the Toyota Center. And he, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons is he, he wants to see the arena be used, or the center, I guess they call it the center. They want to see the, the center be used every single night. Mm-hmm. And if there's a, a, an NHL team in Houston, it would be. There's an extra 41 nights, yeah. at least. He has the available funds. Mm-hmm. He has the available time. And he st- strongly believes that the it, it would be no problem fan-wise or... Mm-hmm. Uh, income wise like the, it would it would a, a team in Houston would do really well with the fans the league the only issue is is it an expansion team hmm. is it a a move to a move team yeah and that's the problem and that's why he hasn't really made a play right in in, in a while so now he's really considering it 
he actually said, I think, I, I don't know if I have the quote here, he said, uh, he literally said, I would love to bring an NHL team to the city. And I guess I, I read in a different article that he told people closer with him that he, he really, really wanted to bring an NHL team there uh, just for his resume mm-hmm. as, as well. But he, he does like hockey. And uh, so there could be a lockout coming in the NHL. Yeah. And I think I think some cities are really going to make a play at ex- expanding or getting a team before that lockout because things are going to change mm-hmm. during or after that lockout. So yeah. uh, we could see Houston get a team actually before 2020, which is pretty soon. So you know, you've read on this, and I haven't in any detail, but when you read him saying, I'd like to bring an NHL team to Houston, is that different in your mind than someone saying, I want to start an NHL team in Houston? As opposed to uh, you know expansion versus uh, I don't, the move. I, mean, I I don't have the exact quote here. Mm-hmm. He just I think he just said he wants to bring the NHL to Houston. Uh, NHL hockey yeah. to Houston. So, right. uh, I I would love to see an NHL team in Houston. Sure. I think it would be great for for aligning the divisions. I think it would be a great rivalry for Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it could support it. I agree with him there. I think the fans like it's a huge. It's number one. It's a it's a huge. Uh, populated city, mm-hmm. one of the biggest in America, and maybe like top I think it's three. Fourth, maybe. I think. Yeah, I think it's the fourth. There's New York, LA, Chicago. Yeah. I think Houston's next. Sports are, are huge there. Mm-hmm. They've got the Rockets. They've got the Texans. Uh, don't do they have anything else? Any Longhorns there? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, they they have um, uh, a great. Oh, the Astros. Sport. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Do them. We're now on their way to the World Series. Yeah, we're gonna talk about, that later. about that later. Yeah, no. Houston is a big sports city, and and I don't think the Arrows. Uh, you know, didn't do well because hockey couldn't catch on. But, you know, we're talking the 70s. They had big talent. They had the house. And, uh, you know, I think it was probably pretty exciting for a while. I know that uh, um, we spoke about Houston as a possible NHL city, among other cities, many moons ago. And I gave Houston the short shrift a little bit and uh, got some shade on, on that and probably deserved it. Well, that was probably five or six months ago when we made that video. Yeah. And then recently we had the contest where the winner actually made a the yeah. Houston Arrows. So it's been a it's been a funny road to get to this point when, <laughs> and with us and also with the city itself and and, and Tillman. Yeah. So nice. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'd love to see a city there so, mm-hmm. or a team there. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Devils. Now, I made a video recently talking about Toronto, Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, L.A., Vegas, I can't remember the other team. Uh, Oh, the Rangers. Rangers talk, yeah. So, and then I got some heat in the comments. They're like, how do you not talk about the Devils? Well, I did talk about the Devils in the podcast from last week, so uh, clearly those people didn't listen or or watch the podcast, but that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, So I thought I'd talk again about the Devils because they deserve to be talked about. I really slept on them. I was looking on paper. And I felt like they wouldn't be able to do much. Now, they still might not be able to. It's so early in the season. But yeah. they're, looking, they're looking really, really well right now. The only thing I'm disappointed about is my, my boy, Pavel Zaka, isn't okay. uh, doing <laughs> that great. I think he's got two points in eight games. So uh, yeah. I was hoping a little more out of him. He but put on a big show for you in Summerside, and yeah, then he, he uh, faded off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Hall has nine points. Will Butcher has nine points. Oh, wow. Rookie defenseman. And he's Nine the guy. Points. He's the free agent rookie guy. Yeah, wouldn't so sign with the, the Avalanche when he was drafted. That's incredible. I, I, I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Uh, Paul Murray has seven points. Uh, Nico Hischer has seven points. Nice. And that goes down from there. Kincaid actually has the better uh, numbers in net. He's he played three games. Uh, he's got a 9.32 save percentage, and I think his goals against is just over two. Mm-hmm. And then Schneider's played six games uh, with a 9.07 percent. That's a good uh, I think he's over three in his goals against. I don't have those written down, but mm-hmm. uh, they played eight games, but it says three and six. So there's also there's some obviously some trading going on there. I don't know who got pulled or who didn't, but uh, Kincaid, when your backup goalie has better numbers than than your uh, starter goalie, you have to feel pretty good about your team, and really? especially the goalies themselves. They feel confident in between each other. So mm-hmm. uh, that's really special to have on a team. So I think. Even though New Jersey's doing really well, and I hope they continue, I think they're going to level off and come come down a little bit. I think they're on a high right now, mm-hmm. uh, so I would predict that we see them falling down the standings. 
I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. Now, if we, if we move on to the Vegas Golden Knights, they are 6-1-0. and oh. They've got 12 points. Vegas has 12 points, and they're in, I think, second place in, in, the, uh, in the Pacific. That's incredible. I, I mean, we've said this before. Uh, James Neal's got eight points. Uh, Smith has seven. Perron has five. But their goaltending has really uh, been the story here because Fleury has been absolutely dominant in the net until he got injured, unfortunately. And then Subban st- uh, stepped in, and he's 2-0. and He's got a 2.06 goals against That's average awesome. and a 936 save percentage. That's amazing. Uh, so I don't think their next game is actually for a while. It might be Tuesday. They have a big break right, right now. I think they won last night in overtime maybe, but... Uh, that's that's really special for that team. Mm-hmm. It's really special for Subban to be able to come in and be the starter when he was cleaned off waivers, I believe, from yes, Boston. Yes, he was, yeah. yeah. And their backup goalie now is Dansk or Donsk. I don't know how you say I'd his name. I'd probably say Dansk. But, but uh, it'd be interesting to see him get a game. I'm sure he's pretty excited. He was. <laughs> I don't think he was expected to be uh, a backup goalie with – with probably some time to play here pretty soon. <laughs> I, he's, he must be very excited, so yeah. that, that's awesome. That's great. If we move on from Vegas, um, there was a goal that was called back mm-hmm. due to an offside in the Colorado-St. Louis game. Right. And it was a very important goal because it was would have tied the game 4-4, I believe. Yes. So the, what happened was Colorado was in the zone, and the puck came out of the zone. The puck came back into the zone, and Andrew Ghetto uh, got the puck while in the zone. It was offside. It was. He came back out of the zone. It wasn't called offside. Then he re-entered the zone, went in, and scored. Right. Uh, St. Louis uh, did a coach's challenge on that for the offside, and the NHL ruled that it was offside. Yeah. That was incorrect. It was Because incorrect. although it was offside... The rule only applies to the entry, an offside call for the entry into the zone. Mm-hmm. Since the offside was from a previous technically entry into the zone, it didn't count. Yeah, That should have been a good goal based on that based clarification on the, of the rule. Yeah, that strict application of the rule, it should have been a good goal. Yeah. And not because it wasn't offside, and that's the distinction. You explained it very well. Andrew Ghetto was in the zone when he received the pass the first time. Yeah. But then he, and that should have been called offside. Correct. But it was not. He cleared the zone briefly and then re-entered the zone to make it, you know, to wipe it out, basically. And when he re-entered the zone, that should not have been called offside because he was the first guy in with the puck. Yeah, so there's a lot of mistakes here, and none of it had to do with uh, Colorado, St. Louis. It was all to do with the linesman who made the first mistake of Mm -hmm. not calling the original offside when it came back into the zone, the puck came back into the zone when he was still in there. And then secondly, the people who did the review... On their little iPads and stuff, and uh, <laughs> but the so the NHL got it wrong, and they admitted it, which they is did. which is great, and it's yep. the first time it's it's happened since this whole coaches challenge thing has come in for the offside. It's the first mistake, and, and something else the NHL is doing this year that they weren't doing last year is every time there's a a decision made from the war room in Toronto, they make a tweet and they post a link yep. on the NHL site to the full explanation as to why they decided the way they did. And I think that's very helpful to everybody in understanding why the NHL does what it does. But as you say, this time they did get it wrong. They misapplied their own rule. You know, the play should have been blown dead on the first offside entry when Andrew Ghetto accepted the puck in the zone. And had that happened, then there would have been a face-off, and this game would have still been 4-3 as it ended up being 4-3. So it's not like history was changed an entire amount there, but really... If the NHL is going to apply its own rule, that first, uh, the NHL is only allowed to call back a goal or to overturn a call on the ice, in this case, call back a goal, if it's done in the, under the right circumstances. And this was not. And that's the, the bottom line there. So. Yeah. And there was another weird play that happened in that game. I'm, you didn't watch the game live. I did. And mm-hmm. I showed it to you yes. after. The, oh, this Carter is... Hutton was dragged out of his net over into the corner. Mm-hmm. And his defenseman, I can't remember who it was, um, Name starts with the B. I can't can't place his name, but yeah, it's almost like he got the yips or something and just couldn't get off of him. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really strange. <laughs> so there's three Colorado Avalanche guys standing in front of the net. Uh, they score the easiest easiest goal of their life. Yeah, 
It's um, funny because he paused with the puck in front of the open net, and it's almost enough to say, "I can't believe this is yeah, happening." The play is still going on. Like I don't understand, <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty funny. So uh, I thought it was worth talking about for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's very good. And there's another neat thing that happened. Uh, I think it was I don't know when. I thought it was just last week, but maybe not. I read it online. Um, it was a game between Ed- it was in Edmonton, and I forget who they were playing. But one of the teams, it was a five-three game at the moment. One of the teams had uh, too many men on the ice, and the referee, when he made the call. And and the headline for the for the little video clip I saw was you know a truly Canadian moment. The referee makes the call. He says, uh, you know, penalty to whatever bench minor for too many gentlemen on the ice. <laughs> really, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that was good. That's that's it's it's cool to see a little humor like that in the game. Uh, well, even during the exhibition, there was another uh, uh, referee call where he flipped the mic on. He's standing at center ice, you know, and and uh, I forget what it was. I don't, it was a regular type infraction. I think that was an old clip. Oh, was it was, it? It oh. was brought up as a video yeah. in, in the preseason, but it was an old clip. Yeah, but he, he announces the penalty, and then he says, you can't do yeah, that. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that was from a couple of years ago. Oh, darn. Um, okay, so let's talk about the SPHL experiment, because this is really interesting. Mm. I'm actually, out of all the topics that we're going to talk about, this is the one I'm interested in the most. Okay. So the SPHL was the first league to do the experimentation of the three-on-three overtime in preparation for the NHL, then it moved up to the AHL and whatever. Uh, now it's in the NHL, obviously. And they did it like 10 years ago. They yeah, were... it was a while ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they are one of the test leagues, I guess you could say, for rules that the, or the things that the NHL is potentially um, considering. And not all the time. The NHL is not necessarily telling the SPC, SPHL to do this. Uh, I don't know the case here. I don't know if they are or aren't, but this is what's happening. Yeah, I don't think they are. I think the SPHL makes their yeah. own mind up from what I've been reading. They and probably then, did. And when the ideas are good, they just get a little traction and away mm. they go. So they're changing the playoff format, and what I mean by that is basically the top three teams get to choose who they play out of the bottom five teams. So the eight teams make the playoffs, the top three get to pick uh, who they want to play out of the, of the bottom five. Obviously, the first place team gets to pick who they want to play first out of the bottom five. They could choose the fourth place team, they could choose the eighth place team. Uh, it's their choice, whoever has the, they have the best record against, whoever mm-hmm. they want to play. Uh, there's so many factors that go into it. And I thought it was really interesting because you could say, oh, well, that's a really good idea. And it probably is for the fans because it would be exciting to see the anticipation the days after the playoffs ended to see who your team or who mm-hmm. whatever team picked to play. It would be very, very exciting. But I think it's but. not a good thing for the teams, mainly the top three teams, yeah. because... If you finish first and you pick the fourth place team because you have got a good record against them, and that fourth place team is going to be like, bring it on, let's dance. Yeah. Because there's no way that you think, that we think that you're going to get by us, so let's go, buddy. Hockey is such a gentlemanly game, supposedly, you yeah. know, and, and a game that, that demonstrates or pre- at least pretends to demonstrate respect. So even when you have a mismatched game and you go in the dressing room and you talk to the team that just won 6 nothing. And you ask the guy, you know, who scored four of those six goals, you know, what was what the game was like. He's still going to say, oh, you know, they're, they're a good team, you know. Yeah. He, he's totally. not going to say anything that the other team can put on their dressing room wall as motivation. Yeah. You know, if he had said, oh, these guys suck, obviously, we just got six goals, ha, ha. If, if he was cocky like that, like they are in some other professional sports, there would be posters on the wall of the other team's dressing room to use as motivation. And hockey is such an emotional game. And move so much on momentum. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you want to do is give your opponent something to latch onto. Exactly. And these top three teams picking their opponent would be exactly that thing for the opponent opponent team, as you have said. You yeah. know, like bring it, let's go. You think you can beat us? You're going to choose us. Uh, we'll fix you guys. I think for the teams, it's a, like I said, for the teams, it's probably a bad thing. But for everyone else involved, it's a brilliant thing because mm-hmm. it's going to the anticipation. Like I said, is going to be great. And then the, it might make this series better and more competitive. So um, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's, I don't know if it's the right decision, but it's going to be interesting to watch. I'll probably pay attention to the SPHL this year because of it. Well, I, I will too. I want to see what happens. And then most importantly, after that first round, because after the first round's over, it all reverts back right. to regular standings. Exactly. But, 
Um, I'd, I want to see, you know, if all three of those teams that had the choice, actually those choices paid off or mm. not, you know, and uh, maybe they all got beat. <laughs> that would know? be, that'd be funny if they did. <laughs> that would be funny. And maybe that's exactly what you want to see, you Could know, be. because it, it, it proves that the emotional factor is, as we think it is very important, especially in a game like hockey, that is so, you know, like momentum is so important. Yeah. You, know? you, you can score three goals in, in. 60 seconds or you can get three scored on you in 60 seconds and it's it's wild it is crazy yeah uh the last thing i have on this sheet i just have a little piece of paper here is the uh trade that happened uh sheehan went from detroit to pittsburgh okay for a third round pick i'm not sure if you were were aware of that wasn't paying attention there and i believe the sole reason for that is because they needed to remove his salary his uh contract and salary from the their cap because they needed to sign or make room for nfcu's new contract or one year or whatever so how much was she in getting paid i don't know i think yeah. it was like two and a half maybe or okay. oh no was, actually i think it might have been less than a th- million i'm not sure yeah. i i, I should have i should have written it down it doesn't matter it's just uh that was the reason mm-hmm. and um they had to do it it's a move you had to make not really a move you wanted to make so detroit was in a tough position there uh but they did the best thing they could because now they have anath cu where they wanted him, and that's a part of the team again. Mm-hmm. So nego- that, negotiations will continue for his next contract, I believe. Yeah. Well, that, that's good for him. I want to see him on the ice. He's uh, exciting he's to He's a watch. very good player. Very, very, very good, good player. player. And uh, he surprised me last year. And uh, um, as as this regular season went on, because Detroit, you know, didn't get farther than that, but uh, he really took off. And Yeah, and it, it, he was kind of – he's put in a tough uh, position because – it's not his fault that mm. the Red Wings didn't have room for him. It, you know, it, he. It's it's tough because he wants to play in the NHL clearly, mm-hmm. um, and he also wants to get paid because he knows what he's worth. So, I know we talked about Montreal before, but let's just briefly mm-hmm. discuss Montreal again. Even though we don't want to, because we're Canadians fans, it is, it is frighteningly bad in Montreal right now. Yeah, price is. Is not the price that we're used to. He's exposing the team for what they are, and what they are is not even close to good enough. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that we have players like Pacioretty who are literally invisible on the ice. There's no effort. He's he's scared of getting hit. He's not hustling back to the bench after after a, a shift. He's not s- skating and cycling the puck the way he should be. And he was the first person to admit it. He says, "How?" He said, "How am I supposed to lead a team and tell people that they're not good enough when I'm the worst person on the ice?" <laughs> so he's taken accountability. Uh, self-aware. But he's taken accountability a thousand times before yeah. and not really done anything about it. He's just—he's the hottest, coldest person, uh, player in the league, in my opinion, by far. Mm-hmm. So uh, his contract is great for his normal production, but I th- honestly believe the Montreal Canadiens should trade Pacioretty. Mm-hmm. I don't know where. I don't know for what, but I I don't believe he's a, a, a strong captain. And I've said this in, in the past. I've said this last season. Uh, I know a lot of guys are really high on Pacioretty, and he's the nicest guy in the world. Off, oh, off, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a personal dig or anything. I've just never been a fan of, of his style of play. I think he's a bit lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense, but that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, but if I could get a Montreal Canadiens team full of of 18 Paul Byrons, yeah. I think Montreal will be in first place because no one has more effort on the ice than Paul Byron recently. He's He's been incredible. The Paul Byrons and Brendan Gallagher's, you know, those guys that just drive, drive, drive all the time, you know, they're great to watch, but they're so small. They're small guys, you know, yeah. too, and that's that's a problem. Even now with Montreal trying to get a little bit bigger, they're still smaller than the average team. Yeah, oh, definitely. And, you know, as you said about Price, he's not the price that we need him to be, and it's really to the point now, and I've been reading the Montreal media, um, although this isn't all Price's fault, it is Price's responsibility to fix it. He needs to steal a game. Oh, just, yeah. Just one game. Definitely. Tuesday night's game might be a good one to try to steal. Hopefully know? it's against Florida. So. Yeah. So, you know, he needs to stand on his head and steal a game and, you know, show that when he smashed his goalie stick in San Jose the other night that it actually meant something. Yeah, you know, Anaheim. Was, yes, on the 6th Or goal. Anaheim, sorry, yeah. You know, and that game wasn't, you know, 6-2, holy smokes, that was a bad blowout. But they were actually down only 3-2, you know. The second period they played absolutely incredible. I think they had 28 shots on mm-hmm. net. Uh, they were all, they were skating so fast and so hard. They were all over Anaheim. 
Yeah. And then, you know, the Anaheim, I think it was scored three goals in 97 seconds yeah. and made it, you know, 6-2. And that's what it felt like in the first period, too. Montreal yeah. was terrible. So. And the last goal went off Weber's skate again. They, yeah, a lot of these goals are going off Weber. They're tips, and there's a lot, it's a, it is a lot of puck luck. Yeah. But still, uh, Price needs to he needs to play better. He, he is letting in soft goals, mm-hmm. so it's, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. So I want to do my power rankings right now, if, if that's okay with you. This was requested by someone in our Discord, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't want to do it in a normal video because I didn't want to step on the toes of any other people on YouTube doing power rankings. But uh, I think it's a fun process, and I think it's still important for me to do. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some some teams in here in orders that you might not agree with, but I do have some reasoning behind a few of them. So the team that I have first in my power ranking is LA. They're 6-0-1, and they're on a four-game winning streak. I don't know how they can't be number one on anyone's power ranking. They're playing absolutely amazing right now. So I'm 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 just having fun watching them, mm-hmm. them play, I, to be honest. I, I have never been a big LA fan, but uh, I am having fun. Second, I have Dallas. They're 5-3-0, and which isn't a very good record. They've got 10 points. However, they're on a four-game winning streak. They're playing very well right now. And I, I think they're flying a bit under the radar, and people aren't getting giving them enough credit for, for what they've done in the past four games. And it's expected because we expected Dallas to be up there um, a little bit higher than they actually are seated right now. They struggled out of the gate a little bit. But that's why I had them in, in second place. They're on a four-game winning streak. I think they're just going to keep going. They're playing really strong right now. Uh, so uh, definitely number two for me. Number mm-hmm. three, was I had Vegas, 6-1-0. and oh. How can you not have Vegas in your top five right now? They're playing amazing hockey. Uh, they're getting all the breaks. They're they're playing well defensively. They're, they're scoring goals. It's been exciting to watch them. And... Uh, I think it's going to continue. Actually, I don't. Even though Subban's a net, I have a good feeling about Vegas, so mm-hmm. I, I kept them up high. Fourth, I have Tampa Bay. They're seven one and one. I have. I they're exactly where I thought they'd be. Uh, I think they're in the top of the East, and they're just kicking butt. So mm-hmm. that that's where they should be. Fifth, I have Chicago. They're five two and two, off to a, a bit better start than I thought they'd have. So I felt that they should be in the top five. Six, I have St. Louis. They're six, two, and one, which is, yeah, I'd say, yeah, about where they should be. Seventh is Toronto, six, two, and zero. Oh. Now you might say, well, why isn't, why wouldn't Toronto be a little higher than that? They've been playing so well. Yeah, they've been playing well, but they've let in a lot of goals, and defensively, they haven't been amazing. And I think they're overperforming just a little bit. So yeah, I could have put them a little higher, but I'm. I brought them down a little bit because I think they're going to level off and, and drop down the standings a little bit. Mm-hmm. Next, in eighth place, I have New Jersey. They're 6-2-0, and playing really well, but uh, a bit of the same story as Toronto. I think they are uh, overachieving a little bit, and I think they'll start to fall down the standings. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in ninth, I have Ottawa, and they're 4-1-3, and and they did most of that work without Carlson, so I'm I'm pretty happy with Ottawa right now. Tenth, I have the Islanders. They're four, three, and one, which isn't really a great record, but they're on a two-game win streak. They've play, been playing really well lately, and I think they're going to continue that trend. So I, I see the Islanders actually moving up the standings a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put them in tenth. Eleventh, I have Pittsburgh. They're five, three, and one. They had some pretty tough breaks in some games, but they also have won some games that they shouldn't have won. So uh, it, they're kind of a weird team right now. I, they're still playing good hockey, but it's. I don't know. It's not typical Pittsburgh. I feel the games that I've seen, I haven't felt like it's, it's been a typical Pittsburgh team of the past. Mm-hmm. So, uh, number twelve, I've got Philadelphia. They're five three and and zero, oh, and they're playing really good hockey right now. So it's it's exciting. Thirteenth, I have Columbus at five three and zero, about where I would have put them at the beginning of the year. Fourteenth, fourteenth, I have Nashville four three and one. They're struggling a little bit. They're losing to teams that they should win against, and they're winning against teams that they should lose against. Uh, they're confusing me. 15th is Detroit, 4-3-1. They are overachieving, in my opinion. 16th, I have Washington, 4-4-1. They cannot say out of the penalty box. It's really frustrating. We were listening to the game last night on our drive home from New Brunswick, mm-hmm. and it was penalty after penalty after penalty. It was, it was really frustrating. They lost to uh, Florida 4-1, I believe. 17th, I have Winnipeg, and they are 4-3-0. They're playing a little better than I thought they would, but still 
Um, still respectable hockey. I think they'll level off a little bit and fall down just slightly. Mm-hmm. 18th is Calgary, 4-4-0. They came out of the gate really strong, but have struggled a little bit as of recently, so I had to put them at 18th. 19th, I have Colorado, 4-4-0. That's not a great record, but they've actually been playing pretty decent hockey. I've watched two Colorado games and half of a third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was good to see them be competitive or semi-competitive again. And um, 20th, I have Carolina, 3-2-1, and one, and I have an asterisk beside them because they've only played six games. Some of the teams on this list have played nine games. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know how, uh, how Carolina's really going to do. I want to see like three or four more games from them to really get a, a, get a good feeling for them. 21, I have Anaheim, they're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. I watched Anaheim play against Montreal, and they, they, at times they looked incredible. At times, they looked terrible. They couldn't stay out of the penalty box, so I think they are underperforming. And in that game, and I, which I did not watch um, because it was too, way too late for me, you know, and, and people actually gave Montreal a pretty good chance in that game because they were missing Getzlaff. Yeah. Uh, they were missing Kessler. Uh, they were missing Lindholm. They were missing Vatanen. And then uh, early in the game, um, Cam Fowler went down. Yes, he did. Here, ankle or something. Yeah, and as I didn't see it, but I saw the uh, description: the leg folded underneath him like no leg should ever ever yeah. go underneath somebody. It's unfortunate. And so even you know with uh, with missing those guys, they played a team that has a lot of pride and still beat them six two. So yeah, exactly. Who knows? Twenty two. I've got Boston at three three and one. Honestly, I haven't watched. I don't think any Boston this year. Mm-hmm. Not because. Boston and I'm a Canadiens fan just because I haven't really played any games I've been interested in watching. It's early in the season, so uh, I'll be watching Boston in a little bit. Um, Vancouver's 3-3-1. I have them in 23rd place. Um, I think they're overperforming a little bit. They're doing better than I thought, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. I, I like being wrong when it comes to predictions because I said this in a video, I think, earlier this week. It gives me faith and a team that I didn't have faith in before. Mm-hmm. So it's a fun process to go through is regaining faith in the team. 24th, I have Minnesota, 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. and much like Carolina, this is a team that hasn't played as many games as the rest of the league. So I want to see a bit more from them before I uh, I bring them up this list. 25, I have Florida. They're 3-4-0. and oh, And that's about where I thought they'd be. I think people thought that Florida was going to do a lot better than than, than me, I had them down a little bit, mm-hmm. and they're exactly where I thought they'd be right now. So uh, I'm happy with that prediction. 26, I have San Jose. They're 3-4-0, and oh, and they've been playing definitely better than they have been uh, at the beginning of the season. So I think they're starting to turn things a little, a little bit around. They're, they'll move up this list a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 27th, I have the New York Rangers. They're 2-5-2. and two. And kind of like Montreal, they've really been struggling recently. Lundqvist hasn't played well. Defensively, they've been... Uh, kind of a there's a terrible team to watch mcdonough has been a joke really mm. uh, it's really unfortunate uh but i think they'll turn it around they'll move up this list 28th i have buffalo two five and two i honestly thought that they, they, they'd be better a little higher on this list i'm hoping that throughout the course of the series that changes and they do come up to the list mm-hmm. 29th i have edmonton at two five and zero they've been taking really costly penalties um mcdavid hasn't really gotten the support that he's needed a little bit, but even himself hasn't looked like McDavid of last year. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Yamamoto, the young prospect, I think he's doing okay. He's he's make, he's giving some, doing some giveaways. That's not proper English. Doing some giveaways, giving some giveaways. That's doesn't that's not proper English either. Uh, making giveaways. Making giveaways or or, or giving some away. <laughs> giving some away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's I think he's seen some time in the bench, but he's getting better. He's really fast. He's a really smart hockey sense guy mm-hmm. so i hope he stays up because they need to make a decision soon they're approaching the nine game limit uh 30th i have arizona and you might say neil why do you have <laughs> arizona in 30th when they haven't even won a game they're zero seven and one how what team is worse than zero seven and one well no team if you want to look at the points but i've placed montreal 31st because arizona doesn't have Carey Price, Arizona doesn't have Jonathan Drouin or Pacioretty. So they've got more excuses for their record. <laughs> yes, they have way more excuses for their record. <laughs> They're like $17 million 
and, and, and free cap space there. Mm-hmm. Of course, they've got excuses. Montreal has, they do have like 8.5 million, but still, there's no, with those names that I just rattled off, there is no way, oh, I forgot Shea Weber, there is no way that Montreal should be where they are. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have them at the, at the bottom of the power rankings in my list because they look terrible. And we don't have to discuss it anymore. We've already discussed it. But mm-hmm. that's where I have them. Well, I, uh, knowing you were going to be doing your power rankings, and I didn't do any of my own, because uh, I, I, I honestly don't follow all the teams to the degree that you're able to. And uh, um, I did, though, uh, go on The Athletic, which is that uh, website that I've talked about a few right, times. Right, you signed up for that, right? I signed yeah. up for it, and I'm really happy with uh, with their coverage of hockey in particular and, and my market in particular. But I can see everything they do. You know, I've just decided to focus my content on hockey, but I have access to the whole website. And they do baseball and they do football and everything. And it's Canada and the States. Uh, But not every market in the States, but pretty well every market in Canada. The Athletics' um, Dan Luzician did his own rankings, and he calls it uh, strength, projected record, and probabilities of making the playoffs. Okay. And uh, Is this based on what's happened so far in the season? Yes. Okay. It's based on what's happened so far in the season, but I think there's a, a predictability thing going in there sure. as well. So it's not just a how you've been doing, it's it's still how he thinks you're going to do. Okay. Um, his top team is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you picked them number four. Yep. He has them at the, at the top with a projected point total uh, north of 103 points. Oh, he's, do, he's doing projection of points and everything. Everything. Okay. He's doing uh, projected wins, projected losses, projected overtime points that they'll uh, scrub out. Wow. And uh, he even goes into the playoff uh, percentages. You know, they have a 93% chance of making the playoffs, a 51% chance of winning their division, a 16% chance of making the final, and a 9% chance of winning Hmm. uh, the Stanley Cup in his, you know... uh, His his scenario. His scenario. Uh, Second on his list is Chicago, and you had them at number five. Okay. Uh, Third in his list is Pittsburgh, and you had them at number 11. Yep. Fourth is Columbus, and you had them at number 13, and so on and so on. Your number one, the Los Angeles Kings, Dan has them, or Dom, sorry, it's Dominique or or Domenico, Dom, has them at uh, number eight. Okay. And your third choice, which is Vegas, he has them at number 25. Well, his list is a little different from mine because mine sure. mine changes week to week, and his is based on end of season predictions. Well, yeah, but his changes week to week as well. Like for instance, when he does the Montreal Canadiens, he has them at uh, number 22 on his list, which is a drop of 14 spots from last week. Yeah, but so, like, I'm not trying to be not trying to defend my list any, but I've got Vegas third. If I'm going to say who's going to come from one to 31 at the end of the season, mm-hmm. I'm not putting Vegas third. No. I'm putting Vegas based on their previous week and their week coming up. Yeah. And it's not based on any other weeks than that. So So this is apples and orange juice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, just talking about a couple of the teams and their prospects, uh, you, you might be interested to know that the Las Vegas odds makers right now for the team has the best odds of winning the Stanley Cup at a record of, or at a ratio of 8 to 1, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow, number one. Vegas odds are saying 8-1 uh, Leaf favorites for the Cup. Well, if you're a Leaf fan, you got to like those numbers. Tied for second, or sorry, not tied for second, but there's a, uh, I actually, I think second is Pittsburgh or somebody, you know, it's slightly less favorable odds, but still pretty good. Yeah. The Vegas Golden Knights at uh, odds of 33 to 1 are, you know, long shots, but they're tied with Boston and San Jose Mm. in the Vegas odds makers rankings, and there are 11 other teams worse than them. Wow. According to the Vegas uh, bet people, so and and these odds makers, these are people who are trying to guess what people are going to bet on, not so much right, exactly. The, you know, the so yeah. it's not just about team performance; it's about how the casinos and others make money yeah. by crafting the odds in such a way that they're going to get a lot of bets from hopeful people mm. that probably won't uh, pan out. So, yeah. Anyway, that's interesting stuff, though. It is. It is indeed. All right. What else you got for me? Well, um, just but I know we've already talked Montreal to death, but uh, there's Montreal fans that are out there, and we know there are a lot of them. Uh, there's a bright light in Laval, and his name is Nikita Sherback. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Sherbach. A lot of talk about him. And he was sent down to Laval early in the exhibition season, mm. um, and some people thought maybe they were giving up on him a bit too early. He's quite young. Uh, I think he's only 21. Yep. And, uh, but he has been lighting things up. 
He's uh, third in scoring in the league. Hmm. And he's doing a lot of work from the point on the power play. He's a forward, but... Uh, How many points does he have, do you know? Uh, he has nine points okay. uh, so far, and that's uh, pretty good. And Laval overall, with him uh, on the point, uh, along with... Uh, oh God, I'm trying to think of the guy that he plays a lot, a lot of time with. Uh, they're 33% in the power play. Oh, wow. Which is... That's pretty good. Darn good number yeah, to any, be... Anything over 25% is, is have yeah. to be happy with quite exceptional so he's a guy to watch um you may see you know if montreal's problems continue uh he may be a guy that they're going to bring up and, and what i'm reading in the media is that they they're urging montreal don't just bring him up and play him on the fourth line and you know give him two games yeah. and send him back i mean bring him up let give him do him a his, chance. let him do his thing let him do his thing exactly it'd be interesting if charlie lindgren gets uh, called up to play mm. i hope that happens i hope they send me, montoya down me and, too uh, uh, bring Lingren up, make Price the backup for yeah. a game, give him a shot. And put him, on t- put him on waivers or do what you got to do. Like, I don't know, you know, how his contract is structured, but I think they're paying him, what, a couple of million? I think it's a million, okay. million 1.1 or something like that for maybe a year or two left. I can't I can't mm. remember exactly, but he's, yeah. a good, he's a good goalie. It's he just, is. It just isn't working out. You know, yeah. If, if Price is struggling, um, they, mm-hmm. they, they don't have that confidence in the backup to come in and uh, – play while Price is not playing well. Mm-hmm. So if you can't, if you don't have confidence in your main goalie and you don't have confidence in your backup goalie, then try something else. Mm-hmm. Try Lindgren because he's doing really well. Right on. The The next topic I have is really centered around uh, Gordon Downey, yeah. and I think you wanted to do that at the end after we, you do some other things like baseball. So Yeah, no, we'll do we'll do baseball at the very end. Oh, okay, it's baseball. it's not hockey related. So. All right. <laughs> let's, okay. talk, let's talk some Gord. It's your show. Uh, Gord Downey, um, C- Canadian fans of hockey and Canadian fans of music will recognize the name. And they'll also recognize the name of the band that he fronted, which was the Tragically Hip. They've been around for decades. Gord Downey was diagnosed uh, a year or two ago with uh, inoperable and uncurable brain cancer. But he was still functioning at a fairly high level for quite a period of time. And they put on a farewell tour and concert yeah. uh, series last year. Uh, one one show of which was shown nationwide on uh, one of our networks here in Canada, and it got a lot of views, and uh, it was very well done, and uh, it was quite a nice way for Gord to say goodbye, Absolutely. and for the fans to say goodbye to him, and and he still continued to be involved in things and events afterwards. Yeah, he that, still went to hockey games and yep. and did events and. And just for those people who don't know who he was, uh, and, and who don't understand how Canadians can be so. Uh, uh, reminiscent or worked up about a guy who was uh, just a, a rock singer mm-hmm. and, a, and a lyricist. Um, I have a few just snips of uh, articles and things that have been written about him in the last couple of days. I'd like to share just a paragraph or two. Yeah, definitely, because the story of where he where he was as, as, as a young man to where he is, how he got to where he is now, it's an interesting story. It is a very interesting story, and uh, there are some interesting factual tidbits that I didn't even know about Gord Downey. Now, I'll preface this, and you and I have had this conversation. Tragically Hip was not my favorite band. Same here. I had a lot of their stuff, and I liked a lot of individual songs, kind of like I felt the same way about them as I did about maybe Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, mm-hmm. you know. They're a good band. They, they did some really great things, but most of their stuff, I would say, I was lukewarm to. Yeah, I liked... The songs that I did like a lot were songs that didn't see a lot of radio time. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were so overplayed. Those like five or six songs of the, of the hip that were so overplayed on the radio. I just every time it came on the radio, I just changed the channel. And not because they weren't good. Mm-hmm. I liked them, you know, when I first heard them. But they're just so overplayed. Is I can't listen to them anymore. Yeah, this is something else that a, a lot of international listeners and viewers won't know. That right. in Canada, in broadcasting regulations, we have a thing called Canadian content rules. And uh, when I was in broadcasting in the early 1980s, we had uh, requirements, and we still do, to play a certain percentage of Canadian content. Mm-hmm. So what that meant was when the when the rules were first adopted in the 1970s, you didn't have a lot of Canadian stuff to play, so you overplayed the stuff you did have. You know, you repetitively played the Poppy Family and Edward Bear and Gordon Lightfoot and Bruce yeah. Coburn, and you played the <laughs> you played the Dickens out of those songs, and then you know you drove younger listeners in particular crazy, crazy. just from the repetitive nature of this. But then. Canadian content actually got good on its own. Yeah, it did. You know, you've got, uh, you know, your Alanis Morissette's and Tragically Hip and Drake and whatever, and there's no shortage of good stuff out there. That's I was going to say Justin Bieber until you said good. 
you know, but there's there's lots. You know, you could pl- you could have a station that probably played entirely Canadian content, and you could put some pretty popular. I won't yeah, say good, we'll absolutely. just say popular. Put yeah. some pretty popular stuff on the, on the air these days. So in in your era, you know, the the Canadian content overplaying thing was probably still underway. You know, quite a bit. But uh, Gord Downey came from Kingston, Ontario which was a quintessentially Canadian town. You know, it's eastern Ontario. Kingston is actually closer to Montreal than Toronto, I would think, you know, or it's about halfway, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, along the eastern end of Lake Ontario. It's very much a Canadian city uh, in, in every way, demographically. There's a Royal Military College is there, a big university, Queen's University. It's a nice town. I think you spent a night uh, in Kingston on your way home from I your did, Toronto yeah, I slept trip. in my truck. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I spent a week in Kingston one night. Uh, but anyway, Gord Downey uh, played hockey when he was younger. And uh, before he was ever a musician, he played hockey and he played goal. That was his, his, uh, his particular position that he liked the best. Mm-hmm. And when he became a rock musician, he brought his hockey love into his songwriting. And he wrote 50 Mission Cap, and, and they performed that song. And, and that's a song that you and I saw being played on a street corner in Toronto earlier this year. Yeah, some guy on the guitar just mm-hmm. uh, rocking out playing with a Toronto jersey on, playing 50 Mission Cap. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and 50 Mission Cap tells the story of a Toronto Maple Leaf player in the 50s who scored a Stanley Cup winning goal and then was lost in a uh, lost in the wilderness. And it turns out to have been a plane crash that he di- had died in just months yeah. after scoring that goal. And they didn't find his body for many years, and his name was Bill Barilko. And uh, it has become, I think, back in the early 90s, Pat Burns, when he was a uh, coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he asked the Maple Leafs management, uh, would they please play 50 Mission Cap as part of the Leafs' warm-up music? And apparently they have ever since. Hmm. It, It might not be on every home game night, but, you know, it's just in the rotation. Right. Uh, because it's a very Toronto-centric uh, song. Definitely. He's also done uh, a song, a wonderful song called Fireworks, which uh, it's I think goes back even to the 1972 series. You know, he was only, I think he, I heard him say he was eight years old. Okay. You know, in, in 72. And it was a big year for him because not only did the Canada beat Russia, but I think that was the year his favorite team won the Stanley Cup. Ah, yes. Because he is a massive, or he was, sorry, a massive Boston Bruins fan. Yeah. And I didn't know why, you know, because why would some kid from Ontario, you know, who writes music about the Toronto Maple Leafs and he's so iconic uh, in Toronto, why would he cheer for Boston? Yeah, and you told me that he he cheered for Boston. I knew he cheered for Boston, but you asked me if I knew why. I said no. He said, okay. Uh, I'll tell you in the podcast. So yeah. now we're about five days later. This is the moment. I'm I'm excited to hear it. So here it comes. Um, back in the uh, early 1960s, uh, Harry Sinden was the coach of the Kingston OHL team back then. And he lived nearby the Downey family. And they became very good friends. Uh, or Gord Downey's parents and, and Harry Sinden's family became very good friends. And when Gord was born in 1964, 65, whenever that was, they asked Harry Sinden if he would be Gordon Downey's godfather, and he agreed. So Harry Sinden uh, is, was uh, Gordon Downey's father-in-law. Now, he was the president of the Boston Bruins. Father-in-law? Or uh, godfather, godfather, sorry. <laughs> he was the president of the Boston Bruins. Ah. And he was also the, uh, the head of Team Canada during the Canada-Russia series. Oh, cool. So I think the attachment that the Downey family had to Boston probably came from their earlier friendship with Harry Sinden yeah. when he was in Kingston. Oh, that makes sense then. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So uh, Gord was a huge, and so was his brother. Uh, he had an older brother, a couple of years older, uh, huge Boston Bruins fans. And he tells a story uh, that uh, the night they won the cup in uh, 72, his, uh, of course, it's in the summertime almost when you win the Stanley Cup these days, because it's mm. well into May or June, right? So... Uh, he and his brother went out and danced in the driveway when they were kids, and it was pouring rain, and they couldn't believe how quiet it was, you know, because, well, how many other people in Kingston are cheering for the Boston Bruins? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, very interesting. But uh, Gord, you know, he, not every song was about hockey, of course, but uh, a lot of them, were not, not even a lot of them were about hockey. Just a few. Just a few, but they, they became such attachments for uh, uh, Canadian hockey fans and music fans to cross over into the other mm. genre. Um, now, back in the Toronto Sun earlier this week, um, Alan Cross wrote, 
an open letter mainly to Americans, you know, and we know that we have listeners in the United States, but also elsewhere in the world. And he tried to explain to them why, you know, why Gordon Downey was such a big deal up here uh, and, and the tragically hip in general. And, you know, the article was okay. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't really endorse all of it, but uh, he did have a few interesting sentences that I'd like to read. And uh, dear the rest of the world, you're probably looking at Canada, if you look at, at us at all, <laughs> and wondering how an entire nation can be consumed with grief over the death of a singer, a rock singer no less. It's hard to explain, but let me try. And he gave a couple of reasons. One, uh, we're not ashamed about any of this. The Hip was Canada's house band, and their front man was our de facto poet laureate. To put it another way, if there was a World Cup of rock, Canada would send the tragically hip. Second, the hip taught us about ourselves. Gord and the band were unabashedly Canadian without being jingoistic or wrapping themselves in the flag. Bill Barocco references to the 1972 Canada-Russian series. You know, they were some of the stories. So I, I just thought that was an interesting take on uh, yeah. on on Gord. And then there was another uh, article, uh, and that talks about the importance of 50 Mission Cap. And I've already paraphrased it now, so I'm not going to read it all over again. But uh, um, it uh, even went to the present, where Morgan Riley for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, said that uh, on Wednesday of this past week, which would be the day after his, or the day, the morning his death was announced, I guess, um, they got a couple of extra hip tunes to play in their dressing room, you know. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. It's really cool. Now, finally, uh, I'll ask you this. Sure. Considering Gord Downey's connection to the Bruins and, uh, you know, the, the, the era in which he was a young hockey fan. Yeah. Do you have any guesses to who his favorite hockey player might have been? Um, I only know because I overheard you watching a video earlier. <laughs> oh, no. And I believe it's Guy Lafleur. He did say in, in one interview that it was Guy Lafleur. Uh, but there's another answer to that question uh, that's in the uh, Canadian press in a newspaper article that I read yesterday, and I have it with me here from the Fredericton Daily Gleaner. Uh, according to uh, musician and good friend Dave Bedini, uh, Gord Downey's favorite hockey player was Laverne Hennessy. Oh. Now, I'm surprised to hear that. I'm sure you're surprised to hear that. You know who else was surprised to hear that? Him. Laverne Hennessy. Yeah. <laughs> he was shocked. And, and here's why he was Gord's favorite hockey player. They played against each other in midget. Oh. And Gord was a goalie, and Laverne Hennessy was a crackerjack goal scorer for the opposing team. And he scored a lot of goals on Gord Downey. <laughs> and Gord Downey and him would lip each other. You know, like, I'm going to get you today, you, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to get you. And they'd stare each other down, and they had this kind of uh, very respectful but very antagonistic, yeah. you know, uh, whole shtick thing going. Laverne Hennessy, we've never heard of Laverne Hennessy. He was drafted and played, uh, I think, four games for the Cornwall Royals in the old OHL way back in the day, and then he got an injury or an illness of some kind. Mm -hmm. So his hockey career ended very early. Otherwise, we may have heard of Laverne Hennessy. Yeah. But, um, and he's gone on to do other things with his life, and I believe he's still around. But he was quite shocked, and he's heard it several times from several different people who all knew Gord Downey that, you know, hey, you were his favorite player. So it's 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 real, hmm. you know. But uh, that's the kind of guy he was. And here's an, one final tidbit about Gord Downey. He'd be, uh, well after he became famous, he'd be in his home, you know, which was a very uh, unassuming place, not far from a local park. And he would... Uh, look out the window and see, you know, kids over in the rink playing shinny or, you know, ball hockey or whatever. He'd put on his goalie mask and go over and play with them. Yeah. And they didn't know who he was. Really? That's amazing. That's really, really cool. I think it was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, did you mention how he, they, how the hip tried to break into the, the U.S. Uh, music scene? I didn't mention it, but yeah, I'd love to talk about that yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, they, they, they tried to do what a lot of Canadian bands did in the uh, early 90s and, you know, get get noticed in the States. They did manage to get on Saturday Night Live back in 1995. Lauren Michaels, the producer of Saturday Night Live, is Canadian, so he probably uh, helped out yeah. uh, a little bit to get that gig. Dan Aykroyd was hosting, uh, or did, he was on this cast at the time, I think, or maybe he was guest, but he introduced the band mm. you know, uh, for their two songs that they did. And apparently it went over really, really well. And in the States now, when they play hockey, or sorry, when they played <laughs> played their music at uh, concert venues in the U.S., um, you know, there's obviously some American fans that show up. You know, it's not like he's never been heard of down there. Yeah. But uh, 
from what I've read anyway, a lot of the people in these arenas are actually Canadians, Canadians who go down to watch them in the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. And, and But, you know, when things didn't catch on in the States, you know, uh, the, the band said, well, okay, frigate, we'll just uh, we'll just stay up here in Canada and yeah. just we'll do our thing. Yeah, let's go back to Canada and get her done up yeah. here. And, uh, you know, I, if, if you haven't heard of Gord Downey, if you haven't heard of the Tragically Hip and you're listening to this in Sweden or uh, on mm-hmm. the Hutchinson River Parkway in New York or wherever you might be stuck in your car, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be nice to down, just uh, get on YouTube probably and just... Yeah. Uh, just do a search for Tragically Hip, you'll see a few things and, and get an idea of how connected he was with our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, the last topic we have is not hockey-related at all. It's baseball-related. Is he baseball? Because there's huge baseball games being played right Ooh. now. Uh, Houston won last night against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. That means the Houston Astros are going on to the World Series. And they're going to play... Uh, my Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in a bit of a conflict here because I, the story behind Houston is so good in the city specifically because mm-hmm. of what they went through this year. I would love to see that city win. However, like I said, I am a bit of a closet Dodgers fan. I'm wearing a, an LA Dodgers hat right now. So who do I cheer for? I don't really know. I think I have to choose. For, I have to sorry, I think I have to cheer for LA, but I wouldn't be disappointed if. The Astros won, so I'm really okay with this World Series entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am too. I, I think that uh, I won't be disappointed either way. I'll be cheering for L.A. as well, okay. uh, maybe for different reasons. Uh, than, I don't know why you cheer for L.A. Maybe you want to talk about that. I The only time that I've been in California, I went to a, a Dodgers shop, and I had L.A. stuff everywhere, Dodgers hats, shirts, jerseys, everything. I'm like, okay, I'll I got to get something. I'm in California. This might be my only time in California. I got to get something from a local sports team. Mm-hmm. And there was no LA King stuff around because it was just a Dodgers shop. So I said, okay, I got to get a Dodgers hat or a shirt. I ended up getting a Dodgers hat. Not this one. One very similar to this. But I wore it. Actually, it's right over there. You can see it. I do. Uh, it's, I wore it so much that the elastic broke around the, <laughs> the rim. And I, I, I can wear it still, but uh, it's... It's at the end of its life, pretty much. So, so that's this is re- new. I just got this last oh, week. Oh, okay. That's hard to see, uh, probably on the GoPro camera here. But there's a patch on this side from the World Series or from the uh, playoffs last year. So even nice. though it's not a current hat, it uh, still applies since <laughs> they did well this year. So very good. Because of that, I started to watch the Dodgers after I got the hat, and I, I'm I never watched a lot of baseball, and I still don't watch a lot of baseball. I only watch really playoff mm-hmm. baseball, and. Uh, when I did watch it, I watched the Dodgers and I watched the Blue Jays. Those are my two favorite baseball teams. And so ever since then, I've been a bit of a closet Dodgers fan. Well, that's great. Yeah, which is a ridiculous reason. I'm a Dodgers fan because I bought a hat because I had because <laughs> I felt I had to buy a hat, and they were the closest team by. Like, yeah, but it's you know, a silly reason. We did we did a video a few weeks ago where we asked uh, hockey or viewers to uh, mm. tell us why they're a fan of a certain team, and we got all kinds of answers that were very much like that. Yeah, you know, answers that. You know, well, my first, you know, someone gave me a, you know, a gym bag with a such and such on it, and now I'm a fan, you know. You, don't, just, you don't need a good reason. No, it's just how it works. Yeah. yeah. Um, it may interest you to know that uh, in 1958, when the Dodgers moved to L.A., they had come from Brooklyn, New York. Yes, I did know that. You did know that. Did you know where their farm team was located? I'm going to assume Montreal. Yes. The Montreal Royals were the farm team of the Dodgers organization mostly when they were in Brooklyn, but even for a couple of years after they moved to the West Coast. Montreal Royals, I think, played until 1960. And uh, the Dodgers started playing out of L.A. in 1958. But Montreal and L.A. have a very close connection through baseball because Jackie Robinson, who's the player who broke the color barrier, he started off in AAA ball playing for Montreal. Yeah, I did know that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was very well accepted in Montreal because we we didn't have in in Montreal, and I wasn't there at the time, or I wasn't even born. born, Um, but Canada didn't have the same racial tension uh, yeah. that the United States did. Not that everything's perfect uh, here in Canada by far. Uh, there's lots of racism. Far from. still is. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, in, you know, in Montreal in particular, a very cosmopolitan city, so it, was, uh, it wasn't a thing, you know, and I guess that's really what we want out of our racial relations. We don't want it to be a thing. Yeah. And that's the whole idea of it all. But uh, anyway, he broke the color barrier and then went to play, and he was the first uh, black or African-American player to play in Major League Baseball. But that almost uh, pushes away the 
other great history. There was the Negro Baseball League, you know, throughout a lot of the first half of the 20th century. And, you know, these were some of the best players who have ever played the game. Yeah. But because there were, all, you know, no Negroes playing in Major League Baseball, they had their own league, and it was amazing. And uh, so unfortunate that things were the way they, yeah, they were, but it it's is. so much better now, obviously. But again, still far from perfect with all we're seeing about the national anthems. Yeah, and, so much stuff. You know, so, you know, there's, there's a lot more work to be done. But uh, the L.A. Dodgers are an important part of uh, changing that history, and so is Montreal. Mm, so cool. I think that's, that's, a, that's, a that's another interesting reason. Yeah. yeah, and he's not the only famous player to have played uh, on the Montreal Royals. You know, we had uh, uh, Duke, Duke Snyder, I think, played Montreal. And these are guys you'd never heard of because mm-hmm. you're so young. But uh, Duke Snyder eventually became a Montreal sports broadcaster doing Expos play-by-play. Ah. Yeah. So a lot of people in Montreal, I think, were probably Dodgers fans until the Expos showed up in 1969. And then, obviously, you cheer for Montreal. And and I started cheering uh, for Montreal, clearly, because we finally had our own baseball team. And then when they moved to Washington, I I followed them down, and now I cheer for the Nationals. That's my favorite team. And will be until Montreal gets a Major League Baseball franchise back, and that may happen sometime. Yeah, and the Nats did very well this year. They almost... uh... Yeah, they almost moved on, but they're yeah, unfortunately they, lost. They had a great regular season, topped only by the L.A. Dodgers. I think was yeah. the, you know, the better record. And Houston did obviously uh, very well in the American League, but uh, Cubs. I think the Cubs and the, the Cubs National. did well Cubs too. Cubs beat the Nationals in in the series or in the in, in, the, in the playoffs. Oh, no. And then the Cubs went on to play the Dodgers. That's Dodgers right. Won. Yeah. Um, the, the Dodgers got the wild card team, and I guess yeah. uh, the Cubs and Nationals fought it out. And Nationals didn't do that great, and that seems to be they're kind of like the St. Louis Blues. They almost they, came back and won, though. Yeah, it was really close. But yeah. and I was really worried for the Astros this year when the Yankees. You know, they Houston won the first two, two games and the home. Yankees won the middle three in in New York, yeah. and then oh my goodness, here they go again because that's what they did to Cleveland, I guess it was. And then, you know, this is the first time I heard this on the radio. You probably were listening to it as well. And we were driving back and listening to it on the Washington, uh, actually listening to it on the Buffalo, New York. Yeah, the Buffalo uh, Station. Buffalo Station on 1520 WBK. Uh, and they said that uh, it's only happened a few times in a seven-game series where the home team has won every game. Which, which is a bit strange, I guess, mm. because yeah. I think the crowd plays a lot to do in sports uh and really every sport i mean basketball they've got these clapper things and signs and stuff behind the net Mm -hmm. uh trying to throw off the opposing team and hockey uh there's chants and it's a a, a goal the goalie chant and uh to get to throw the goalie off the game is is a common one in in soccer it's huge the stuff and in hockey and and european Mm -hmm. they and and the European leagues, like the SHL, they have huge chants and songs. And and in football, North American or American football, the, the home team will get really, really loud when the opposing team has the ball because they want to drown out any yeah, audible calls or trying, switch plays. Yeah, they're trying to talk to each other. And yeah, so, so, you know, that they play a direct role there. And, yeah. and even, you know, the home team is like waving their arms like, you know, make some more noise. Yeah. These guys can hear each other. I've seen that know. in baseball as well. Yeah. And that's why baseball has all these hand signs and all this gibberish. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah. Well, I think that probably wraps up the baseball talk and this podcast in general, unless you have anything else to add. No, I just, I, I think in baseball, if I just might go back to that last remark you made about sure. the hand signs, a lot of it's just code, secret code. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's not so much about, uh, you know, not being able to communicate, but it's, you know, no, you see the third, I, base, yeah. Yeah, the third base coach is over there and he's trying to Feel t- tell well, you know, it looks like, you know, man, he's got a bad itch or something. He's scratching himself everywhere. He's he's down in the groin area and he's, yeah. you know, it's underneath his arm. And, and then he rubs his nose three times. I hope someday, well, it's probably happened, you know, where, you know, someone's at first base, they're looking over at the third base coach to decide what to do. And the third base coach sneezes or something. And the guy said, oh, that means I should steal. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then he gets caught out. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap this up. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening on iTunes. If, if you are listening on iTunes or Google Play Music, we really appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, that's awesome. If you're new, we hope you can, sub- sub- we hope you can subscribe and join us here for more uh, Hockey Talk and like this video if you liked it. Um, to those people who watch our videos regularly and always like every video, uh, I have to thank you very much. That's, uh, that's really awesome. So thank you guys very much for doing that. And I'm going to leave you guys... Uh, uh, with a, a video that I took and of the 50 Mission Cat being played on the corner. Nice. 
by the guy that we talked about earlier. So uh, enjoy that, and we'll see you in the next podcast, uh, podcast number 20, next Sunday. Adios. Bye.